those uh, records of old, you know, and they get stuck and go round and round and round. <coughs> we can pull that down, not by our own power, but yes, by our will. By our will and doing and obeying. Our will is necessary for obedience. But Ephesians tells us that he even helps us in our will. And once we decide we make that decision, God, it's you. It's your choice. We've made that choice for salvation. But I'm talking about that day-to-day -day conversation in your mind, those interactions of people that are coming at you all day long. The situations of your life, the circumstances of your life. Philippians 2 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And I'd like to ask you <clears throat> to turn to Ephesians 4 23 through 25. It says, Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. I'm reading from the Amplified, so it takes it from the original language, gives you the meaning, the true meaning of the words, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Well, how many times does that have to happen in a day? I, I can't speak for anyone else, but sometimes when I'm faced with things, it has to happen moment by moment, minute by minute, several times in an hour until I am past that situation. Put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness. <coughs> righteousness and holiness, especially holiness, is not something we hear about too much anymore. But God asks us, tells us, instructs us to be holy as he is holy. He was never mixed up in his mind. He was never worried, anxious, nervous. He never wondered if things were going to work out. He always had total confidence. Therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done now with it, let everyone express the truth with his neighbor, for we are all parts of one body and members of one another. Probably when people first hear that, they might think, I don't lie. I tell the truth. And of course, I think that's very right. That's very true. But the truth we're talking about here is the literal truth of God's word. When he says, do not fret, we don't fret. When he says to lean and to trust and to obey, that's really what he means. When he says for us to have mercy, this is what he means. When he says for us to be imitators of Christ, this is what he is saying, this is what he means. To be an imitator of Christ is to adopt that very mind of Christ, the very thinking, very essence of Christ. And that is how we walk out the victory. That is how our light shines. But because we're human, yes, we have our moments, we have our times, we have our issues. But the key is constantly returning, constantly returning to the Lord, constantly being renewed in our minds. Now, the flesh is totally different. Let's take that to Galatians. Five, 16 through 21. See if this sounds familiar to 
people you've encountered, behaviors you've encountered, maybe even you've displayed from time to time. 16, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, which is human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to Holy Spirit, and they are opposed, the Spirit is opposed to the flesh, which is the godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody who is not of faith? They might be a Christian, but they're not living out faith in their daily life, in their mindset. And they are, <clears throat> they try to give you all the facts, they try to convince you, they try to use beguiling speech to try and just show you how much it doesn't make sense. Trying to let you know, maybe make you feel foolish. So it's antagonistic totally to seeing through the eyes of flesh, to seeing and living with the mind of God. They're in conflict with each other. So you're not free, but are prevent you're not free, but are prevented from doing what you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the Holy Spirit, you're not subject to the law. To the law, to the way things are done in the natural. The laws of nature, the natural laws of our life. But if you are, um, <clears throat> but now doing the practice of the flesh are clear. Immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry. We often think of that as serving other gods. But what about instead of going to church, I have to work because I have to make as much money as possible? What about deifying self, how I feel, what it does for me? how I'm being injured or offended. That's, the, that's definitely the mantra of today's society. It's the me society, it's all about me in this world. But that's part of the flesh. Jealousy, strife, sorcery, anger, anger even, no temper. Now the Bible does say <clears throat> to be angry and sin not. But I believe this anger here is talking about just general constant anger on the inside it's like a constant fuel of furnace selfishness dissensions party spirit envy drunkenness carousing and the like Romans 8 6 says that the mind of the flesh is sense and reason do you see what a slippery slope this can actually be because what's wrong with sense and reason? What's wrong with what makes sense? Well, what's wrong with it is if God is speaking to you about something different. It's wrong if your level of faith is not reaching higher than what is expected. If we only rely on sense and reason, why would we ever pray? Why would we ever have expectations of our Lord if all we were ever relying on is what made sense and what you could do in the natural, what you could see, what you could hear, what you could touch, what you could manage. So the result, 
The result of living in God's way and hearing his voice is that it supersedes our thinking and it gives us a possibility of living in kingdom ways and living with heaven, living out of our lives with us like walking above, seated in heavenly places with Christ, looking down in a sense, observing in a sense what's going on without being so emotionally tangled up. Oh, how can this even happen? We're so natural, we're so human. How do we get to this place? Except through spending time in God's word with the changing of our mind, with time in prayer, time in his presence, and building that history with God, his faithfulness in your life. Proverbs tells us that the result of this kind of life, the spirit-led life, the higher life, is that we have direction. We don't have to be befuddled in our mind. We don't have to be constantly in confusion. We have direction. We have the truth giver. We have light. We have insight. Colossians tells us we have love. We have peace. And this one I love, soul harmony. Not being agitated on the inside. Your soul includes your mind. So your mind is at peace. There's no anxiousness. Your will includes your will. So you know the right thing to do when you're aligning it with God's will. Not what you feel like doing, not what you want to do, not what the flesh wants to do, not how you feel like reacting, not, not even how you, have, you should feel justified because somebody mistreated you. That's all part of the flesh. He says the path of the just shines brighter and brighter. And this one, I really, is one of my favorite scriptures. <coughs> Isaiah 30, 15. In quietness and confidence is my strength. Jesus' peace lives within us because Jesus lives in us. He says, I give you my peace, his very peace. The peace that he walks around with in heaven is the peace we can walk around with here. Now, I know that these scriptures, these truths, are, tri are familiar. This, you've heard them. You know them. But I'm asking you to take that to another level, into your very day, into your very mind, into your week, into your circumstances, into your feelings into your family and live every day every moment from his mind and when your mind gets in there all tangled up with everything just like we're in a wrestling match with the flesh like just like the wrestlers in that wrestling match we have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe sometimes we have to slam it on the floor we have to take that authority that we've been given in christ the victory you see because he's given us all the tools we will ever need. And the fruit of the Spirit. Last scripture I would like to ask you to turn to. Galatians 5. This is right where we were actually, but now going into what the fruit of the Spirit is, which is not something we just say, okay, I'm going to be that way. But it says, it's the work of His presence within you 
and it accomplishes this. Jesus, Holy Spirit, accomplishes the fruit. We can't grow our own fruit. We can do our part by reading the word, by spending time in his presence, by pulling down those strongholds in our mind. And he helps us with even that. But his presence accomplishes love in our lives, out of our lives, in our mind, in our thoughts, in our emotions. His presence accomplishes joy, and his joy is our strength. His, com his presence accomplishes peace, the very peace that we talked about. It accomplishes his presence, accomplishes patience, which is an even temper, forbearance, tolerance, understanding is all part of that. His presence produces kindness, his kind of kindness, not the kind of kindness that I'm just going to do because you're nice to me, or not just the kind of kindness that some people do so they can get something in return, or that they can get a good uh, response from you. The kind of kindness that the Spirit of God produces because of his presence is true kindness. The kind of kindness that we give toward others and ourselves when it's undeserved, when it's not given back, when it's not easy. Sometimes it's simply an act of our will and obedience to the scripture to our Lord to give it. Because we don't necessarily feel it all the time because we do have to deal with that fleshly part of us. But as we put on love, because that's exactly what the scripture says, to put on love. Again, it's a directive. It's a command. It's not optional. Put on the love. Goodness, which is benevolence, faithfulness. These are all fruits of the Spirit that His presence produces in us so that we are faithful to who? To Him, to His Word, to others, to the words that we say, to what we believe is right and true, even when it's not easy, even when no one's looking. His presence produces gentleness, which is meekness and humility. It doesn't mean that you're a pushover. In fact, it means you have strength because it takes a lot of strength to be kind in the face of unkindness. Self-control. Against such, there is no law that can break a charge. And to those who belong to Christ, we've crucified the flesh, that godless human nature, with its passions, its appetites, its desires. And again, when you hear those words, I think a lot of times people think of blatant sin, out in the world kind of sin. But, and it is referring to that, yes, but also the kind of appetites and desires that we have for justification, for pride, to be right in the eyes of man. We live by the Holy Spirit, and we do, then we must walk by it. If we have the Holy, if by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct, controlled by the Spirit. And this one, the last scripture, let us not become vainglorious. You're on. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'd like to talk a little bit today. And I want to ask you first, by, start by asking you a question, and myself as well, I'm included. What lens are you using? What lens, what viewpoint, 
What eyes are you seeing through? What eyes do you use to see the circumstances of your life? Or to see others, or to even see yourself? Isn't it true that at times we find ourselves overwhelmed, or even overcome, or even distracted by the cares of life, by the obstacles that are in our way even, or even by the human interactions that we have that often will leave us feeling deflated. But it's at this journey, at this juncture of our life, of every day we are faced with something. And it's at that point, that crossroad, that we experience very human, very natural reactions and thoughts, very fleshly emotions. And then we begin to view the circumstances, situations, others, ourselves, even God, through those lenses. And unless we make a decision at that point to look through the natural mindset or to look through the eyes of God, it makes a difference right then and there. Because if we continue to look through the eyes of man, the eyes of flesh, our own natural eyes, we can become offended. We can offend others. We can have, um, we can have a negative feelings toward ourselves, towards God, towards others. We can react. We can have wrong motivations. We can settle right down into that regular human emotion, that natural emotion, where everybody says, oh, well, that's okay, you're just human. Well, it's true, we are, but that's the whole point of serving our God. We don't have to stay at that low-level mindset, that low-level humanity, that, all, that is our natural default system, basically. That's why we have a God, a creator, a Christ, who says that I, you can do all things through me, that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So it's at that, and it's at that place, though, if we stay in that negative mindset, that natural, not even negative, just what seems like reasonable, what seems normal, what most of society is buying into, even the Christian world, we can actually miss what God is saying to us. We can miss what the Spirit is trying to tell us because our eyes and our ears are clouded. They're stopped up with our own viewpoint. And we just don't, we don't rise higher at that moment. If all we can hear or see is what makes sense, what seems reasonable, what's happened traditionally, what happens, you know, A leads to B, leads to C, and if that's all we see, then we're just not going to be able to embrace the fullness that God has for us. So what's our anthem? How do we rise above our human condition? Well, we know it's Christ, of course, but the first thing to keep in mind, I would say, is to remember where we come from. We come from another country. We have another homeland. We don't really belong to this world. We live in this world. But our mindset is supposed to be from the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. With that mindset, that's where we learn to live. We live constantly, we should live constantly, through God's eyes, through his abilities, through faith in his word, through his promises. 
And he's given us the keys to do that in his word through binding, through loosening. We bind our minds to his mind. We loose from heaven his will. We bind the devil and we lose whoever is that he is uh, holding on to, whoever he's interfering with. And the mind we want, God wants us to have a mind of the Spirit. Sweet, gentle, powerful, Holy Spirit. And it's our choice, always, every day, at every circumstance, to embrace His truth, to embrace His mind, to embrace His power, His peace, and His wisdom. There's always a choice. It just doesn't want us to base our lives or put our trust in expectations of our own abilities. Yes, it's true, we know this, we've heard this, we believe this, we read this, right? But in the day-to-day, moment-by-moment, when you have an opportunity to have a, a fleshly thought, a negative thought, a just, I can do it all by myself thought, or God's not really gonna take care of this, or sometimes we don't even bother to ask him. We just go on autopilot and we do our own thing. But, but God doesn't want that. He says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but I will remember the name of the Lord our God. That's in Psalm 20, verse 7. Before I go, we go into the scriptures, I want us to first consider some of the biblical heroes that have chosen to see through the eyes of God, that did look through the natural. And thank God they didn't, because they've given us a litany a history of God's faithfulness, of victory, that we know we can have. Look at Noah, starting with Noah. It had never rained on the earth before. There was always a mist that went up from the earth. Well, wasn't he ridiculed by everybody? What do you mean it's gonna rain? Why in the world are you building this boat and such a gigantic boat? They had never seen that kind of rain before. We know what that's like now. We know what floods are, but at that point, they had not seen that. The, the world, the earth had broken up and the waters came through. Well, what if Noah, not even considering his family, because Noah, I believe, was the one that was dictating and in charge, you know, the one that was influencing others. What if Noah had decided to see things in the natural realm? What if he said, oh, you know, of course, what am I thinking? How ridiculous, this has never happened before. I might as well just give up this. You know, what if he had looked at it from a natural mindset? It made sense, right? It made sense to everybody else. But he heard the word of the Lord. He chose to hear with ears that would hear the Spirit of God. He chose to walk out in faith. He chose to believe and to see from God's viewpoint. Think about Moses. Even his mother. Now, during that time, remember, Herod was killing all the babies. That's why she had to hide Moses. But she had faith. But what if she said, how, and, and, and then she sent him down the Nile toward where the, um, the enemy was. Well, what if she said, what am I doing? Nothing, there's crocodiles in there. You know, if, if somebody picks him up, they're going to kill him. I'm sitting right into the enemy's camp. What, probably she had naysayers in her family that said those things to her. 
Probably they were caused, trying to cause her all kinds of anxiety, nervousness, maybe sleepless nights, but she chose to follow the leading and the guidance of the Lord. Thank God she did, because what came from just that one decision. But then later on, Moses, he decided to turn away. Once he learned who he was, who his identity was, he decided to leave all the wealth of Egypt. Now in today's world, can you imagine that, telling some prince or some wealthy yuppie <laughs> that, you know, why are you leaving all of this success? This is what everybody works for. What are you doing? You're giving it all up. But Moses heard and knew and understood the word of the Lord. Think about in the desert, the Israelites, how many opportunities Moses had to say, forget it, what am I even doing here? When he was 40 years in the back desert, how he could have given up. I'm 80 years old now, God. I haven't seen anything, haven't heard anything. Could he have not had that mindset? And look at all that would have been lost. But he did it. He saw through the eyes of God. Later on in the land of Canaan, when they went in to spy, they said, we can't do this. We're grasshoppers in their sight. There's just no way. Remember? They had no faith. Two, only two, saw through the eyes of God. Only two. Everything would have been lost at that point had there not been anybody to see through the eyes of faith, to hear God's voice, to see what he was showing them. Daniel, same with Daniel. And it goes on, Joseph, Rahab, Samuel, Samson, in the walls of Jericho. How crazy did that seem to people? How annoying that might have been. It's really hot. You know, every day we're walking around, nothing is happening. And then what, the last day? You want us to do this seven times? It is hot, we are hungry, nothing has happened. It's not gonna happen now, right? This is the natural. Who has ever seen broken water just fall? Just by itself. At the sound of a trumpet and the word of the Lord, and it did, because they believed. If they chose not to believe and stay in what just seemed completely right, you're right. Who's ever seen broken modern just fall? I've never seen that happen. Maybe with an earthquake, of course with an earthquake, but not just suddenly by itself. So they could have left it right there, but they didn't. So they conquered. They had victory. They had, they saw God's faithfulness. They are building a history with the Lord. David with the Philistines, he had all kinds of opportunities to give up, to just believe, to say, okay, I'm done, Saul. I'm done with Saul. I'm done. I just can't do it anymore. Can't continue on. Nothing's happened. It's been all these years. I don't see one little change. What if he had been stuck in that mindset, that natural mindset? What if Jesus... Thank God, he was perfect. He wouldn't have. But what if he had listened to all the naysayers? No miracles, no cross, no redemption, no victory. What if he gave in during those temptations? What if he gave in to the taunting on the cross? What if he in the garden said, no, this is just way too much, God. 
I want to do it. I wish I could do it. I can't do it. What if that had happened? We all would have been lost. And it's the same in our life. Just like them, every day, every circumstance of our life, every trial, every difficulty, every normal, natural, I don't have enough money for the rest of the month. It's the third week, $300 short for my bills. There's no way that's gonna happen. I'm gonna have to take a loan, I'm gonna have to borrow, I'm gonna have to call relatives, I'm gonna have that late payment, right? That's natural thinking, normal thinking, but we serve a God that says, I will supply to trust yeah. in me. Yeah. Call things that are not as though they are. And he is constantly faithful to his word. And you wanna know why that is? Because that's who he is. That's his character. He can't help be who he is. And when we put that trust, we go out on the on that anchor. We rest ourselves on his character, on his words. There's no failing. There's no falling. There's no faltering. We do in the flesh and thank God we do have an advocate and a merciful God. So that your heroes of old chose not to fling away their confidence. And that's what God wants. Now let's take a look at some specific scriptures. What God says. What does God say about all this? Well, in Romans 12, 2, he says, To be not conformed to this world, but by the renewing of our mind. Where is our mind and how can our mind be renewed? Self-help books? Mm convincing ourselves, listening to mantras. No, is that good? Writing the same phrase over and over again, repeating it to ourselves, getting ourselves all, you know, stirred up like you do at a maybe a football game, you know, get all excited. All that's flesh. What we get our sustenance from is the truth and the stability of God's word, knowing, because we're not putting it on our emotions. We're not putting it on what we can see, what we can figure out. We're not putting it on what we think, what our experience has been. We're not even putting it on the experts. We're putting it on the character, the tried and true character of Jesus Christ, his promises. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ and do hold his thoughts and purposes. That's an important scripture. When our mind goes willy-nilly, it's sidetracked, and it goes, spins all these stories in our minds and possibilities and brings fear, condemnation, guilt, all these things, we can pull down those strongholds, pull down that pattern of thinking, like the, the self-conceited, because we've arrived, because we're educated, because we've had opportunity, we've had experience, you know, people know our name, you know, let us not become vainglorious and self-conceited, competitive, challenging, provoking, irritating people, irritating, envying, and being jealous, all works of the flesh. So the truth is, we really have no excuse to be nasty or naughty or unkind. But thankfully, we have an advocate. We have a merciful God that when we do fall and trip, when we do have those things rise up within us, 
we take that authority in Christ and we put on love. We put on his ways. We, we remind ourselves who we belong to, who lives within us. As we continue on in that mind of Christ, that faith and that trust in God, beautiful things happen in our life. It may not be according to what the world calls beautiful. That eight-bedroom mansion that you've had your eye on may never be yours this side of heaven. You know, I don't know. But we have the most beautiful things, a peaceful heart, a loving heart, kindness to offer to others. We have an open door between us and the Father, us and our Lord, for that communication, that intimacy, that our innards can be at peace, not agitated. And when it does happen, thank God we don't have to live there. We don't have to stay there. Thank God we don't have to rely on ourselves to get straightened out, but calling on the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. His promises, we inherit all his promises that are yea and amen through our faith, through our trust, through our transformed mind. If you ever wonder and look at or consider, consider people that have been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, and yet they still have jealousy, they still are backbiting, they still are you know, not having the faith and trust in God, they haven't progressed, they haven't matured. It doesn't mean they're not going to go to heaven. It doesn't mean they're not saved. But it does mean that they're not living that full abundance life, that full freedom that Christ died so that we can have. There's no way that I've even touched all that God has made available to us through a decision of allowing him to partner in our lives. But as you continue your own personal walk, delving like you do in the deep end of a pool, saturating yourself with that nice, cool, refreshing water. That's what the Word of God does. He says, taste and see that I am good. It's sweeter than honey in a honeycomb. There's nothing more that we need. There's nothing greater that we need because he fills and fulfills the greatest and deepest of all needs in our life. The needs that all that people in the world, even some even Christians are grasping for, trying to get, trying to feel better, trying to feel like they, you know, um, mastered something or accomplished something. Remember, a lot of that is the pride of life. And Jesus satisfies those deepest feelings of belonging, of being loved, being treasured, being valued. So important to see through his eyes and not the eyes of the flesh.